Hello. Good evening, afternoon, morning. Good day. Hello and hi. <laughs> Welcome to X to the Zennial. I'm Stella. I'm Kat. We haven't done that part in a while. No, we haven't done this in a while. I mean, I love that we are at our own pace now. Yeah. Where it's just like, I think uh, when we first started, we are very excited and so we are making a lot of content, but... Yeah, we were doing it every week. Were we doing it every week? When we first started, we Ooh, had for every fuck's week sake. date. We had an outline. We used to follow an outline. <laughs> we used to like... We are so A-times. <laughs> How we have relaxed in the past three years. I mean, it's... Yeah, I... Oof, three years. Long time. That is a long time. That's awesome. It is awesome. Um, how were your holidays? My holidays were awesome. Good. Lots of food, lots of family, a little okay. bit of trickling of friends. Okay. Some new romance. Oh. Yeah, good I love that for you. Yeah. That's I did exciting. not sit on Santa's lap. I'm a little too old for that. Oh, first of all, age doesn't have anything to do with it. Also, creepy. Yeah. It's a very weird practice we have to... What do you think? Put our children on a random stranger's, Santa stranger's lap in a fucking mall. Uh, I never did that. And then photograph the experience. Right. Which is usually terror. (laughs) (laughs) So many children screaming faces just flashed before my eyes. I don't understand. How was your holiday? You've been traveling. Yes. Um, So I did go to, my goal last uh, Christmas. So I don't celebrate the holidays. Um, just not for me. Um, so my goal last Christmas day was I'm going to wake up on a coast next Christmas. So, uh, so that was Christmas of 2020. And, um, yeah, so I made a plan and I, um, I went to San Francisco with Julie and we celebrated Christmas on the wharf, which was amazing. Love it. And, uh, did yeah. Did you eat some clam chowder on the wharf? I did not eat clam chowder. I did have a couple different things. I think I had chipino and, uh, you know, oysters and different things. Uh, delicious. Amazing. And then we drove down uh, the PCH, which I had a goal to do. Kind Love of a that. bucket list deal. And uh, stopped at Pismo Beach and had, um, oh, I did have chowder fries at Pismo Beach. Ooh. Yeah, they were really good. I am not a uh, poutine fan because I don't like gravy. That makes sense. It's disgusting. Gravy is disgusting. It's a weird practice. Anyway, uh, but no, I had clam chowder on my fries with cheese. Delicious. I'm going to have to make this. Yeah, no, it was really good. I was I was impressed. Took some cool pictures. Um, and then we drove down to San Diego. It has been a uh, tradition for me to spend New Year's Eve in San Diego with my sister there. And so we did all kinds of things. Good Lord. We went to Temecula. We went to a couple of vineyards, spent the night in Temecula, um, had New Year's. My sister is a trained chef. Um, and so she made... Um, she made... Chicken legs, which were amazing. Mm. Um, oh, no. She made chicken legs one night, and then she made um, ribs for our New Year's Day meal. Um, really amazing mac and cheese. Like, just, she just goes all out. Um, and then we went whale watching. Yay! And so whale? we did. We oh. saw a mother and a baby, and then two adult whales on their own. Tons of dolphins. I love the whale watching tour. Um, because it's the mating season 
in the Pacific, and so it was really cool. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, so I got on a boat. Um, did I get on two boats? I got on a boat, and then we just a bunch of time on the water and on the coast and at the beach, and it was amazing. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, and then I got back, and everybody had been exposed to COVID. Well, there's that. <laughs> we are still in a pandemic. This is true. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great and great start to the new year, um, doubling down on retirement and closing up the practice, um, making plans for the next phase, um, and really looking at what, so after August, I guess I'm announcing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do it. She's coming out guys. Oh my gosh. Um, so I am closing uh, the mental health counseling portion of Luna X2 uh, in August. I will not retain my license, so I will no longer be a uh, licensed professional clinical counselor. Um, but I am starting something new. Uh, I will be focusing a lot of my energy and attention on writing curriculum for codependency coaching. I love that for you. Thank you. Um, so soon I will create more content on the Luna X2 um Instagram, if you're not following, uh, it's Luna underscore X2 LLC. And so I'm still using the business and that um, branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably going to shorten it to LX2 on TikTok, which I will be starting soon as well. Um, but the goal is to write uh, more curriculum. I've already written two workshops, uh, codependency workshops. And so I want to expand those to kind of create more interactive workshops and do some uh, more condensed um, coaching work around codependency issues. Um, And so that is the next phase of Luna X2. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I will also be doing that abroad. Bum, bum, bum. So I do spend, plan on spending uh, the next year, starting in August, in Greece, Spain, and Italy. The goal is to turn 50 in Tuscany in 2023. I love all of this. So I turn 49 next month and then um, plan on doing the year of travel and ending in Tuscany. So I'll be creating a lot of content um, and certainly... Uh, Obviously, Europe has, like, great internet and all the things. There is an overlap with my American audience, but I, I want to be creating and writing um, and uh, creating exclusive content for codependency. That is fabulous. <laughs> it was not my goal to come out on today's podcast, but, but here, here we are. Um, so we will be eventually ending uh, X to the Zennial. Right. Just because about it. Right. So I, I won't be me. here. Right, May, June. I mean, we'll probably have one more camping, you know, maybe live situation. <gasps> we could do a camping live as the Bon Voyage. <laughs> you could see our faces. Um, so, yeah, Exodus is going to have an expiration date. Uh, we'll leave the content up, so obviously people can still listen. Um, but I do plan on creating uh, an LX2 codependency coaching podcast. Yeah. Are you going to host that on through Podbean the same way that... I'll Google probably still... Host? Yeah, okay. I'll probably still use the same uh, forums that we've been using um, because they've been extremely successful for us. So that's what we're going to do. That's where I'm at. New year, new plans. <laughs> I mean, new, new goals. Um, I did post something on Lunax 2 about resetting goals. 
um, and really looking at, and we talked about this last year, like we are not new year, new me people. No. Because it's, we're, we're at our core and foundation, the same humans, but we're, we have an opportunity to reflect with gratitude on the things that we did the year before and then set new goals or reset goals or reset perspective for the next year. And so that's really kind of how you and I have done New Year's in the past, really recognizing, again, the gratitude piece is so important because it's really easy to look back on a hard year like 2020 or 2021 and uh, look at it from that scarcity perspective of what we didn't get to do. But you and I really take opportunities like challenges and then create lessons from them. Right. It's a springboard. For sure. And jumping off place. And as we've gotten older and certainly, you know, we were talking earlier about really taking our growth and healing seriously Mm -hmm. um, and taking, you know, past relationships or past circumstances um, that were challenging and difficult and heartbreaking and, and really reframing them into um, opportunities for growth. Absolutely. What did I learn from this? How am I going to grow from this? How am I going to change? What is my behavior that works? What's serving me? What's not? And what am I thankful for? And I'm thankful for these experiences because they challenged me to grow. For sure. And, I'm, you know, we're thankful for the, the relationships and the people that have been in our lives and maybe aren't in our lives anymore. Right. Because they, and just like everyone else, you know, we've talked about mirror neurons in the past, but they really are a reflection of where we are in the moment. And so one of the challenging pieces, um, because we have gone through a lot of changes in the last couple years, is looking at those past um, relationship dynamics and challenging circumstances, jobs, moving, um, the pandemic, like all of these things have challenged us to be a better version of ourselves if that's what we choose. Right. Um, We've come a long way from, you know, 2017 with a lot of uncertainty and then moved into even more uncertainty. Right. And, you know, it's really easy to take a fear mindset and we chose not to do that. Well, we took a growth mindset. Right. And that, that really is the choice. You know, mm-hmm. we can, you can take a, a fear mindset where everything feels uncertain and it's difficult to make a decision. It feels as though that change is uh, very oppressive um, and that's why a lot of people choose to stay the same um, and really kind of double down on the facts that they perceive. When you take a growth mindset, um, it, it definitely shifts the perspective to how can I use this and become better for it. Exactly. And so, um, you know, this I've been burnt out on on my work for a while Um And so I felt like this was a really good opportunity um, at year 10. So I graduated in 2012. I started practicing in January um, before I graduated because we had a a pretty extensive internship. Um, And so I've been doing this for 10 years. You've been in it a decade. That's a long freaking time. That's a long time. But it's also thousands of clients. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Um... Not just the the individual who comes to therapy, but the individual who comes to therapy and then learns the skills and tools because, you know, I've, I've definitely talked about the fact that I am solution focused. Yep. Um, I don't have a lot of patience for, 
kind of complaining and whining. It just doesn't. I mean, there are lots of therapists who are very empathetic and will listen and kind of nod and, yeah, tell me more about that, which is fine. And that's certainly a part of what I do. But the bigger part of what I do is teach skills. And um, if part of that is is looking at the past and kind of seeing the patterns and and growth and and how um, those maladaptive coping skills came to be, then that's part of it. But it's also then shifting to the growth mindset of how do we handle today and the human that you are today to make your life better. Once that happens, then it does impact you know, close family, friends, sometimes that's losing people, but sometimes that's actually building stronger boundaries and better connections because for sure, because you're learning better communication, you're learning better coping skills, you're learning better self-soothing. Oh, today's topic! (laughs) Ah, she got to it! Damn, I like the way you talk, lady. Thank you so much. It's wrapped in a good package, too. It is. so hot. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So self-soothing is interesting as I, I do a lot of, and you, we've talked about it a lot. Yep. Really looking at how we are able to manage when we are activated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked a little bit about it in our attachment series because that's where we first learned to self-soothe. Exactly. When you're a baby and you're crying, mm-hmm. right, and you have this caregiver, mm-hmm. you know, and they're there to teach you how to soothe. Either right. that's by the picking you up and holding you, patting you, feeding you, nourishing you, you know, talking taking, to you, talking to you, taking care of what that issue is. They're showing what your needs are. What your needs are. They're expressing and reflecting back to you. Like I figured out, though you cannot talk to me, what your needs are. You got a poopy diaper and you're sitting in your shit. Yeah, that is uncomfortable. You're hungry. Right. Let me feed you. You know, you're just sad. You're scared. You're lonely. You're something is going on. Let me, let me hold you. Let me comfort you. Yes. Let me bring you this comfort. Let me attend to your needs. Exactly. Now, that's amazing. And certainly, um, I finished the, the Harriet, not the Harriet Lerner, the, um, oh, Frazier, the, the woman who was talking about love. We talked about it last podcast. Helen. Helen. Yes. Fisher. Helen Fisher. Helen Fisher. Thank you. Um, she was talking about the evolution of having um, our babies almost too early where they aren't self-sufficient. Whereas like primates, their babies and even like bigger mammals, their babies are more self-sufficient than human babies. Doesn't an elephant gestate for like two years? Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Holy shit. Fuck that bullshit. Could you imagine that giving birth I to I know. Two? Thank <laughs> you. They would have teeth. Uh, all of that sounds terrible. Uh, whoa. Um, but we have uh, infants that cannot care for themselves. I mean, they can barely breathe on their own, you know, and, and their lung development is super important. And that's actually the, the kind of last piece. Part of that is standing upright and having a weaker pelvis. So there's a lot of biology to it. There's a lot of evolutionary stuff going on there. For too. sure. Um, but really recognizing that they cannot attend to their own needs. Right. And so, uh, the only way of communicating is crying, um, which can be mildly annoying, but also it, it has an opportunity for pair bonding and self-soothing comes a little bit later when 
obviously a kid has to cry it like a baby has to cry it out when they are learning to sleep on their own and to self-regulate that is super important um, because if they don't learn to self-regulate, there are a whole host of issues. And we talked a little bit about attachment mm-hmm. and how that can be affected. Absolutely. That's impactful because then it's just a reliance on someone else doing that soothing and providing that for you instead of the self-regulation of that internal. I have learned coping skills. I am hungry. I will now, I have a voice box. Cookie. Cracker. Very basic rudimentary speech, sure. right? But showing even baby sign language, you know, like I want more feeding. I'm doing sign language right now, people. Um, (laughs) So, you know, those little baby skills that are taught, like, okay, you can't fully form sentences. And part of that is like mouth formation and palate and all of those things. But their brains are working. It's amazing that you can teach a baby like a two to four, two to two to four months old, old mm-hmm. you can teach them sign language to be able to communicate which is helping with self-regulation because they're Absolutely. like this is my need when i make this i get the cookie okay my brain now has trapped if i make this this is what i get this mm-hmm. is what i want more of and i know when to use this and I, that will help me with my self-regulation instead of just screaming absolutely or really recognizing and i i when i teach um sleep training, because I I do work with postpartum um, moms. And uh, part of the challenge is moms learning, moms trying to self-regulate while also trying to self-regulate this new potato. And so (laughs) they stay in a potato phase until about four months, um, which is just like a little bean that you just feed and change and then they sleep. But um, once they get out of the potato phase, And mom is still trying to regulate her hormones and regulate her anxiety and regulate her mood. Um, It's really important for baby to, for mom to have some time to herself, Mm -hmm. right? And so she's trying to regulate herself while also teaching baby how to regulate themselves. And so I do teach some sleep training skills. I am not an expert in sleep training, um, but I do have an awareness of human development and, you know, personal experience. Um, But... What I teach them is it's fine for baby to cry it out and you can talk to them. You can be close enough. um, But once they learn that you're still present, they will learn to self-soothe. They will learn to regulate to be able to recognize that I am not abandoned. And if you're consistent with your connection, then baby learns that. Right. Right. And then a two-year-old learns that. And then a four-year-old learns that. And so that's where it's super important to even to identify and mirror when a child is struggling emotionally because they have really big emotions and they don't always have the big words to kind of say I'm really frustrated because I cannot get my shoes on or I cannot choose the outfit that I want to choose. You're not letting me wear a tutu to Target and I'm real pissed about it. I'm going to get salty and scream about it. Right. Or you're not, you know. We have to put our jacket on because it's cold. Right. Child does not want to comprehend, understand. You need to buckle your, your harness to be able to sit in your car seat. So it's really important for at, at early stages to start to communicate about emotions mm-hmm. and talk to them. And it's difficult because they're having really big emotions without being able to articulate it. Right. And if we get in there with them and the really big emotions and so we're yelling and screaming and losing our shit, 
that's not helping them to self-soothe. We're not self-soothing. No, you're both escalating off the charts. Absolutely. It's going to lead to learned behavior of, okay, if I escalate, mom will cave. Or give me what I need or, yeah. It's um, it's difficult. And admittedly, parenting is super, super challenging, even under the best of circumstances. Um, but if we start to recognize that part of the need for self-soothing is an emotional response, right. putting those two things together and then, you know, parents regulating so that they can help regulate their child and also teach self-soothing, it, it becomes easier. It doesn't go away that parenting is challenging, but when you start to learn how to communicate even just the language of emotion, then they can start to connect. When I'm frustrated, I feel better when I spend some time by myself. When I'm frustrated, I feel better when I go play with my blocks. When I'm frustrated, I need sometimes a comfort hug. And so being able to communicate that, and sometimes mom isn't the best person to do that because mom is not regulated. Mom's off a rocker right now. Well, mom's really frustrated because you just like had a fucking fit or wrote all over the wall or did X, Y, Z things. So I can't hug you right now, but you really like Mr. Bear. And so can you go give him a hug? There you go. Right? Soothing. Absolutely. Or... You know, timeout is used as a punishment often, but if we change the language to this is where you get to sit and have your big feelings Mm -hmm. and you're going to sit there for two minutes, which is totally fine. We're going to set a timer together. And when you're done having your big feelings, we can talk about it. There we go. So rather than you're in trouble, go sit in timeout. Right. I can see that you're having really big feelings that I can hear you from the other room. Right. And it's okay to have big feelings. It is not okay to yell at me or yell at your brother. Or hit. Definitely not okay to put your hands on another person's body. Don't choose violence. <laughs> Especially not first thing in the fucking morning. <laughs> but these are really ways to start initiating those conversations about emotion. Right. And where's the flip side of it where we don't? And we didn't have that parenting. Oh, God. Right? Let's just get into the meat and bones of it, Stella. Because I didn't learn emotional regulation until my 20s. Right. And and we were able to regulate our emotions, but not in the healthiest of ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so our self-soothing was not the healthiest of coping skills. Could have been very maladaptive. For sure. And and present itself in very negative lights and having to learn from having a negative interaction of, well, that's not an appropriate way to manage that shit now, is it? Well, and we can look at that from our, you know, adult evolved brain and look back at, you know, 15 year old selves and be like, oh, girl. Yeah. Dang. Hi. <laughs> well, for, <laughs> I mean, you know, I can I can speak from my own experience. And one of my self-soothing skills was to be able to control what I could. So I controlled how much I didn't eat. Right. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, there were a lot of things that were not super helpful. Um, and I, and I recognize, you know, I, I work a lot with like teenagers and moms or moms of teenagers. Um, and really talking about, you know, 15 is so hard Mm -hmm. because there's so many things that are changing. And the one person that 
maybe two years ago you could turn to and talk to about anything is also frustrated and afraid, you know, because you're growing and changing so fast and and now your friends are weird and now you're acting like an asshole and there's a lot of eye rolling and hair flipping and, you know, I walk into a room and you walk out. And so it's really difficult then to connect with you and help you regulate your emotions because they're all over. Right. And they're changing so rapidly. Absolutely. Sad, happy. It's very manic. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you're like moody and sullen and don't want to hang out and you're huffing and puffing and there's no communication at all. Until it's on your time. Right. Right? Because I'm a 15-year-old girl right now. And now it's my time. Now I need to talk about this right now and it's 2 in the morning and I'm having, I need to have this conversation. Well, and I need to talk about literally everything. And moms are like, I don't fucking care. It's 2 in the morning. I need to go to work tomorrow. Right. (laughs) You need to go to school. Yeah. And now is not at the time for this conversation. Exactly. And so, yeah, there is, there is a lot. And you, you know, you and I did not learn, um, even the language of being able to express where we were coming from or what was going on. Cause we've talked right. a lot about like fear and shame and, um, family dynamics. My parents didn't, didn't, I didn't, they didn't model that to me. Well, I'm My sure they mom, didn't get it modeled for them either, they but. They didn't get it modeled either. Back when my parents were kids, you know, they got their ass beat and sent to their room, and that was that. And said, you know, the parent would come in later. Grandparents, love them. They're great. Great grandparents. I love them. Come in and say, you're still crying? What are you crying about? I'll give you something to cry about. Right. Ouch. I'm already upset, and now you're threatening to, like, bodily harm me? Yeah. Fuck. Being a kid is hard. For sure. You know, so then my parents took that same model of parenting, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Same, implemented the same rhetoric. Why are you crying? Well, because you just screamed at me because I forgot to load the dishwasher. I don't have the words for that. Right. You know, I don't know what's going on. I have a dysregulated, underdeveloped brain right now. All I know is scared. Mm-hmm. All I know is I'm scared and I'm ashamed. Yep. You know, and then the storm off and then the ignore. Mm-hmm. We did no communication in my household at all. Mom would go to her craft room. Dad would go to his office. And, and that was that. Right. There was no soothing. So it was having to learn to soothe. And I took it out on the gym. I took it out by being involved in sports. I took it out by removing myself from the home environment to be around a better environment. Sure. And that was that was how I coped with all of that. I was like, all right, peace out. You guys are crazy. What? I'm 15. I can work. Bye. I have a job. I have the gym. I have homework. I have all these other things that are very responsible. Mm-hmm. So I became a very responsible type A human being who gets shit done. <laughs> with a lot of anxiety with and a lot of stress. Anxiety. <laughs> Which now, I, you know, later on in life have learned to just not give a fuck and regulate all that shit down and t- take the volume down a lot. For sure. But it is interesting to really recognize how we learned to self-soothe um, and how we learned to regulate ourselves. And so part of that was disengaging, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about both of us grew up in environments where we got yelled at. Yep. And so as an adult... Um, generally people don't yell at me, but it has happened in some relationships. And when that happens, I shut down, Yeah. you know, I, and you talked about too, like you make yourself small, you don't look up, you don't make eye contact. Like I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep myself safe. Yep. I'm going to close up shop and shut down. And for some people that's disassociating for some people that's seeking out other ways to numb out. So cutting substance abuse. 
substance abuse, cutting, self, any self-injurious, self-harm behavior, you know, right. protected sex that happens with some people and you need to feel something, you need to feel good. You need to feel something days. other than the shitty feeling that you're feeling. Yeah. Leads yep. to a lot of addiction, a lot of addictive behaviors. Absolutely. To have that release. But then it also can look like choosing a partner who has those same kind of maladaptive skills and you know, then there's this toxicity between you and, and you guys are fighting all the time. And so if you learn that my nervous system can't be regulated, and so I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall, then yes, it feels normal, air quotes, to seek out a partner who then mirrored the kind of dynamic I had at home. Right. And so it's it's interesting, you know, because the coping skill is, is born of, of a stress response. It's born out of necessity. Absolutely. Due, due to that stress response. Yeah. And so we're talking about very extreme things, but yeah. there's also just like really simple things like eating, yeah. which we have to do because right. that's how we keep our bodies alive. Right. But it still re- re- results in endorphin release. Yeah. And so um, emotional eating becomes a thing. Well, um, yeah, it can lead to a slew of health problems. It for sure. It can lead to digestive issues. It can lead to uh, obesity, which then leads to its own slew of health problems. Plus diabetes. shame, plus, you know, right. body dysmorphia, all of those things. Um, I mean, it's it's one of the simplest things, but it is it is something that can be used in an unhealthy way as, as self-soothing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that this came up, the self-soothing, is um, social media and our phones. That's how all the children's, they're self-regulating right now by zoning out on the black box. Right. I'm calling it the black box. It's a succubus of life and time. <laughs> it really is. But it is, it is, it does work in the same way as other addictive behavior. Um, and, and certainly, you know, it's not just, it's not just the children. Um, I too am guilty of the zone out to the Instagram for two and a half hours. For sure. For sure. You know, um, I don't use Facebook. Um, certainly not the way I used to use it, you know, several years ago, but, um, definitely have been, uh, maybe using the TikTok a little bit. I only use it at night. Um, I really try not to TikTok in the day. I don't post any content just yet, but I will. Um, but I, I definitely recognize that it can become a time suck very quickly. And a way to zone out from dealing with what is going on. I work at a high school. I walk into classrooms and 20%, if not 50% of the students in the middle of a teacher's lecture are zoned out and soothing out because they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the content. They're lost in what's going on. Other things are more important, like the fight they're having with their boyfriend or girlfriend down the hall. Um, they could be having a shitty home situation, a shitty home situation and school is where they get to just come and it's kind of peaceful because the teacher is not going to scream at them about using their phones. Right. So this is a way to soothe themselves and, and see what people are doing and make those connections for sure. Though they're separated connections. It's not a real, it's not real people. It's not a real connection. But that, but it, but, but the it feelings are the same and the that's, that's, I think the other challenging piece and it's, it's both positive and negative because there is an aspect of that same mirror neuron kind of perspective of if I'm connecting with someone because we have similar backgrounds or relatability, I'm still getting the connection of bonding. Right. And um, 
I think it's it's challenging because oftentimes, you know, 20 minutes to two hours can go by on social media, and then you're not engaging with the people around you. That could be the reason the why. Reality. You're not engaging with the instruction, which is the whole purpose of you being at school. Right. You're supposed to be engaging with the teacher right now, not not soothing. Right. Not making connections to, you know, another kid at another school or another person in another state or even just watching rando TikTok dances. Or, well, not just dances, but even just like videos on, on YouTube. And I mean, I think about um, people who game quite often and, you know, they're on Discord and they have whole communities and that is a way of building community. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I love that. There's so many apps anymore um, that you can uh, kind of, kind of log in and, and hear conversations. There's something called Quilt. Um, apparently there's a thing on Twitter that are, is like Twitter groups or Twitter something. I haven't, I'm not big on the Twitter. Uh, I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. Um, but that, so on the one hand, it is community building. It is connection. Right. But on the other hand, it is kind of maladaptive in the self-soothing mm-hmm. uh, because it is a disconnection from whatever it is you're trying to regulate. Right, whatever it is that is going on around you. It's a disassociation from dealing with the reality that you're in Mm -hmm. and then learning the coping skills in the reality that you're in to deal and manage. Absolutely. And so I think, you know, part of wanting to have this conversation is to also um, start looking at other ways of connecting. Um, You and I both love to be outside Um, and so when I feel kind of overwhelmed or, uh, disconnected or ungrounded, I do like to go outside. I, I run regularly. I do walk, uh, walk slash run every morning. Um, I do three or four miles before I even get started because that's how I ground. Right. I'm listening to, uh, a book and I am outside, I'm breathing fresh air, I'm seeing trees and, and engaging with nature in that way. You know, you and I go camping often and we disconnect, like rarely do we have our phones out. Right. Um, we're connecting with each other. We're connecting with the environment that we're in. Right. Um, I travel a lot. Like for me, that's a way of self-soothing, especially with the stress of my job. My soothing is the gym. For sure. I was having a real shitty day ready to jump off the ledge. It was a real bad one. Won't get in the deets of it because I've managed that shit already. <laughs> but my soothing is is going to the gym. Taking my dog for a walk. Yep. So I took the dog for a walk. Got to get out and that starts the breathing and that starts the relaxation. I'm connecting with my most precious little thing on the planet. He's so cute. You know, I'm connecting with him. I'm breathing. I'm seeing the trees. I'm seeing the grass. I'm looking at the clouds. I have the sun on my face. I'm feeling the warmth. I'm getting back into the moment of being in, in my person and, yeah. and centering myself. Yep. And then my transition from there is he gets put in his crate and then I go to the gym, mm-hmm. put my earbuds on, and I'm connecting with my gym community. Like yeah. I make eye contact with all my normal regulars. Yep. Maybe do a head tilt. I don't talk to people at the gym. I'm there to, you know, regulate myself. Yep. I'm there to soothe me. 
around these people who are supportive. So if I drop something on myself, they're going to help me. Right. Um, so that's fabulous. Um, and then I leave the gym just back to my grounded, soothed self. Yes. Ready to take on the next portion of my day, whatever that brings, but in a better mindset. And I start the day in a very routine fashion. I yep. get up, I do my coffee, we go outside, I see the moon because it's still up because I get up at dark 30. <laughs> you know, I, I look at the sky and I see the trails from the airplanes or I see, you know, the clouds, you know, I feel what the weather is. I feel ready to engage in the day. I know how to dress. I feel soothed and ready and then get to work. And then that is work. And I love that idea of routine. And we talk a lot about it, especially when we're starting to set new goals and um, kind of build routine definitely helps with anxiety because when you can have something predictable, for some people, that's a really soothing thing. And for you and I, it definitely is. Yep. Um, you know, we talk about getting out of the bed, again, making the bed right away. Like, yep. like you said, making your coffee. For me, it's like put on my clothes run outside. Um, but having a routine definitely helps to self-soothe. And for people who struggle with creating a routine for a lot of reasons, um, sometimes even just creating like a bedtime routine, uh, sleep hygiene is super important. Um, and also in a, in relationship, um, you know, our routine when we record is to sit down, um, you know, kind of reconnect and, catch up because usually now it's been about three weeks. And so there's a lot that's happened. Um, we both get, you know, something to drink. We, um, set up our system. And so those things help to get us in a regulated space so that we leave the earlier day behind us and then just engage in this. And I think for relationships, um, you know, the, the concept of dating or spending time with your significant other, there is a routine in that, um, And if it gets a little stale, then you can change it up. But that is a way of self-soothing, especially after a difficult day or challenging times, um, you know, with with a lot of things going on with the pandemic and and grief and loss, sometimes being able to create a routine around connecting with your partner or connecting with your people is super important to be able to regulate and self-soothe. And it's something to look forward to. Absolutely. When you're in a routine, you have something to look forward to. So, yeah, you're going to spend, pardon me, eight hours of your day at a shit show because it's just a bad day at work and it's a shit show, right? Right. And you love your job. You don't want to leave it, but it's just a bad day. But you can plug into your mind, I have these things to expect later on. Yep. Which then can actually, in that moment, help you to start to regulate a little bit because you have some endorphins that are going to come up, Mm -hmm. some like chemistry that's going to change in your brain because you're looking forward to, I know there is an end to this. Yep. So I know that I will be able to soothe. I will be able to regulate. I will be able to de-escalate from Mm -hmm. what I'm going through. I'm looking forward to going home and making dinner with my partner because that is something that we do together every night. Or with my kids or, yeah. I'm looking forward to going home and watching a movie because that's what I do right when I get home from work. I watch a movie. And just kind of zone out and relax and feel in my body again. Yes. Um, those sorts of things are, are definitely like self-regulation, soothing, coping skills. I mean, it doesn't have to be going to the gym. It doesn't have to be doing. It can be sitting and being. And yep. being. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go home and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to sit there for 20 minutes and I'm going to focus on my breathing. Yeah, I'm going to let go of the stress of the day. All of those things are self-soothing and self-regulating practices. Um, I also think that 
for some people, especially if they have a longer commute, you know, they're listening to a podcast or they're listening to their favorite music. Um, I love to go for a drive. And certainly at the beginning of the pandemic, when we couldn't really go anywhere, Mm -hmm. being in my truck and just driving around and listening to music was such a great way for me to deescalate. Um, because I could get out, I could roll the windows down, I could feel the wind on my face, I could hear my favorite sounds, right. you know, and, and drive across this beautiful landscape that I love. Um, but I, I think all of those ways are, you know, conversations to start with, how do I regulate? Who, who are my comfort people? Right. What are my comfort items or comfort um, routines mm-hmm. to be able to self-soothe and, and really being able to then create that practice for your kids? Um, create that practice for your friends, for your partners, um, because it's important to even have that conversation of how do you self-regulate when you are frustrated, upset, you know, struggling, what are things that I, as your person can, you know, kind of recommend or encourage you to do when I see that you're struggling? Right. What can I be like? Hey, yo, Stella. Yes. Put on your running shoes. Yes, ma'am. Hit the pavement. Done. You're deregulated. Yeah. I love you. I'll see you when you get back. Because you feel better when you do these things. You feel better when you do these things. Yes. What I've noticed is that you're not doing the things that you love anymore, and I've noticed that you are a prickly pear. Yeah. What if you get back to those things that you love? I'm still going to be an asshole, but I'll probably be a much nicer asshole. You'll be a softer prickly pear. You'll be a boiled one. Weird. Um, But those are are definitely things that we can start to pay attention to. And if you're doing something to self-soothe that maybe isn't the healthiest practice for you, um, you know, I, I love a glass of wine. I do not love one every night. I mean, I've, I've been in relationship with alcoholics and I have, there's a lot of triggers for me around that. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, THC really works well. Um, CBD. CBD is great. You know, really recognizing I feel better when I do this thing. Mm-hmm. When I do this other thing, it creates more guilt or anxiety. And that's probably not the thing that I should keep doing. Right. And that's the differentiation between a health, healthier, soothing mechanism coping uh, ability versus that maladaptive absolutely because if it creates like guilt or shame after it may feel good in the moment um but if it creates an ick feeling that's probably one that we need to shift out for something that creates more um consistent good feelings and so when i work with clients i do really um have them change the language around the things that they're doing so that they start with that thought piece, the cognitive part of... I'm going to say some cognitive behavioral <laughs> therapy there, Zinger. I was just talking about this this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I was having a really great conversation with a friend, and she was talking about, you know, this, how her and her partner communicate. Yeah. And when her partner, who's, a, who's an alcoholic, uses, you know, now casually one or two drinks... It upsets her. Yeah. Right? And so I kind of went through the whole process of, like, the what are the thoughts that pop in your head? Well, they're going to fall off the wagon. Right. So then I start herping. So then I get upset. So I'm like, so what you're saying is your anxiety level goes off the charts because they're having a drink. Yes. Right. Because of all the things in the historical past and the things that I know to be true from when they were an active alcoholic. Right. Right? 
but then they have a discord, it's just one, blah, 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 regulates, 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 all the things. And I was like, where's your stopping point for you to go soothe so that you can be rational because then you're just throwing animosities towards the other person. Right, you got to fact check not, for the present. Exactly. Like, focus in on the present, talk about, speak your truth, speak about what the concern is, but when you're yelling it and you're in the moment and they've had a drink or two, they're not great either cognitively so it's very counterproductive and it can be something that would tear the relationship apart for sure so i suggested a drive i love that well and communicating those needs is super important um really communicating like right now i'm super anxious and i mean i love it when you know my people communicate that with me rather than just shutting down and if somebody says hey i'm really anxious right now i have learned to empathetically be like oh that sucks I'm so sorry and I will be here if you need me but I'm not going to then pressure you with a bunch of questions unless that's the help that you need you've done that with me I've come in before and been like I'm having a real triggery anxious day and I'm really and you're like yeah I feel your energy right (laughs) definitely feel there's a lot going on so tell me what you need right you know that's what you've said what do you need yeah I'm like I don't want to talk about it Cool. Let's not. Yeah, let's move right on. And then when you're ready, then we can. Right. But it's it's important to also then be aware of our needs. That's why self-regulation so is... Identification of your emotion. What are you feeling? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling... So really at the core of this, if you are finding through our podcast, through what we're saying, that you're having these big feelings... Yeah. Start to identify what is that big feeling. Is it mad? Are you mad? Yeah. Are you frustrated? Sure. Are you anxious? Are you depressed? What is this big feel? Put a name to it. Yep. So then you can start to scaffold processes to start to soothe and regulate that. Yeah. And start training yourself. And the most important thing is is the awareness. The next piece would be the language. Um, You can find a feelings list on the interweb. Uh, just Google feelings list. Um, you will be surprised at how many feelings there actually are. Um, when I work with a client, a new client, I definitely give them a feelings list um, because it's important to start to put language to what our bodies are processing and responding to. And then we can start to identify what our needs are. And, you know, one of one of the, the things that we've definitely been talking about is both maladaptive and healthy coping skills um, to be able to self-regulate. That's our time. What? <laughs> she does that every Stop time. Stop it. Because we're all, like, so into it. <laughs> we are so into it. If you have questions, um, you can reach us on X to the Zennial podcast, the letter X, the number two, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L um, underscore podcast on Instagram x to the zennial at gmail if you want to send us an email uh you can follow me on luna underscore x2 underscore llc on instagram you can also find me on facebook thank you thank you we will talk to you soon